Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Welcome back to another episode. I am the real Jason Duncan, and I've got a treat for you today. If you have ever thought about writing a book, or if you haven't thought, but just because I planted the thought, you're thinking about what what would that look like? Today, today's show is all about that. Steve Kidd is the founder of thrivingbestsellers.com. Started out selling stuff as a kid, ended up getting into the Kirby vacuum cleaner door-to-door salesman gig for about 15 years and then morph that into his own marketing company business that he's owned since the, I guess the eighties, and then transition into primarily a book publishing company in 2007 when he helped his daughter publish a book on the Twilight movie series. And that's kind of weird, right? But he has figured out the secret sauce on how to take a concept, an idea, anything like you're an expert in and turn that into not only a book, but a bestseller. He can guarantee bestseller status. And and I've heard people say that before. As a matter of fact, I, I mean, I heard Steve say that before, but I really didn't know what that meant. And we're going to dive into that today as we talk with Steve. So, um, you know, the guy, the guy's pretty cool. I mean, he, he you're going to hear his story. He, he only did three semesters of college, went into the vacuum cleaner selling business, started this marketing company. Uh, pretty interesting dude. So help me welcome Steve Kidd to the root of all success. Steve, welcome to the show, my man. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me, Jason. Well, you know, you were kind enough to have me on your radio show not too long ago, and uh, you've got a pretty interesting story yourself. So why don't we why don't we kind of get into that? Now, how do we do you remember how we originally I always I always forget um, what well, I don't always forget, but sometimes I forget <laughs> How do we? How did we originally get connected? Because I'm, I'm always curious how my podcast world gets me connected to some great people like you. This particular one was the uh, the podcast booking agency that I've uh, recently been working with, and they connected us. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, those are good because I get a lot of good requests from a lot of amazing guests. So uh, you'd be one of them. So what? Uh, you know, I like to ask this question to get things started. A lot of my guests have been entrepreneurs their whole lives. You know, they they started out out of the womb trying to sell stuff and how you know deal. And others, frankly, like me, they didn't become entrepreneurs until they're in their adult years. What was it for you? When did when did entrepreneurship kind of get to you? So you know, I love that you use the popped out of the womb that way because I I think that's probably a good description of me. I actually began selling when I was five years old. Uh, my parents had bought a set of uh, holiday greeting cards and napkins for my brothers who are older than I am to uh, to sell. And they quickly discovered that they were not entrepreneurs. They decided they wanted to get jobs mowing lawns. Um, and I being the five-year-old that I was, um, I was like, can I, uh, can I go sell them? 
you know, and my parents, you know how it is as parents, you know, you're like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Here's a couple of them. Um, you know, I came back with a empty bag and a pocket full of money and I've been in sales and marketing ever since. So five years old selling stuff around the neighborhood. Um, so now the, you know, what, what happened after high school? Like, what'd you do next? What kind of, what was your, Hey, I'm going to go start a business or I'm going to go to college. What, what was your, what was your next step? Yeah. After high school, um, I did go to college for a little bit more than a year, about a year and a half, you know, three semesters basically of college. Um, I was married at the time and we had a, she actually had a child that, you know, came into the marriage and, and it just wasn't working out. Um, I actually went back to my roots, went to a sales job, um, was working actually again, door to door selling Kirby vacuum cleaners. Um, within six months, I was actually the sales manager at that particular office. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I've just been out selling, running a company, doing those kind of things literally all my life. So uh, Kirby vacuum cleaners, I mean, I, 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 I know that one, there was one day in my early twenties that I answered an ad cause I was, I was doing part-time youth ministry and I needed, a, I needed another job and, you know, carpet cleaners, the, or the, the vacuum cleaner people will hire anybody just about. And so they said, Hey, we'll hire you, dude. And I went and dude, I spent one day riding in that guy's car in the afternoons trying to sell vacuum cleaners door to door. And no, 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 I can't, not for me, man. But man, I know lots of people who make a lot of money and do really, really, really well for themselves in that business. How did you like it? Um, I loved it. I mean, off and on, I worked um, at different aspects of the Kirby company and for different distributors over the course of, oh gosh, almost 20 years. I, I put in probably 10 or 15 years total out of that time different places, different locations, South Dakota, Michigan, uh, Washington, Oregon. But um, yeah, again, I mean, I, I took to it really well. I even actually wrote the uh, what was at the time the manual for the uh, whole telemarketing program for the Kirby company that was ended up being used nationwide. And I did do a lot of the work. I, you know, I became a, an office manager and ran the inside and did a lot of closing from the office for the guys. So um, it was a little better than the whole life of just going door to door all the time. <laughs> well, why did, why did Kirby and, and the other people like that? I think rainbow did the same thing, but why, why did they, why was door to door? Why was that the way they did it? I mean, was there a rhyme to the, to the, or the reason to why they decided that we're, we're going to sell ours door to door, not at Sears like everybody else. So, Interesting story. I know Kirby way too well. Kirby vacuum cleaners um, were selling um, door to door in neighborhoods prior to as the electricity was being wired and houses were being wired for electricity. Um, the original Kirby vacuum. So um, in that particular case, there wasn't really any place to showcase uh, you really couldn't get into Sears and those kind of things. And the whole concept of what could you do with electricity was just foreign to people. Uh, and so the only way to really do it was to show the people 
the concept of it. Now think about showing somebody how an electric device works without being able to plug it in and show them how an electric device works. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, and then they stuck with that model because the whole concept and a lot of us know it, you know, the difference between going direct to consumer, you know, Amazon or what, you know, from your website and going through a distributor, you know, every person down the line gets a piece of the pie. And so you can make it less expensive in some cases for the consumer, but more importantly, you can make more money as a company um, when you have touch it directly with the consumer versus you're just sending your products to a warehouse and they're the ones with the touch. Yeah. Well, so Kirby, I remember, I remember as a, I probably wasn't a teenager, might've been 11 or 12, quote preteen. And I, and a Kirby salesman came to our house and I happened to be there that day when he came and, you know, you know, the shtick, they don't wait for, Hey, we can schedule a time when your husband's home It's like, we're coming in right now. We're going to sell this puppy. And the dude came in and I was blown away. I remember him pouring the bag of dirt on the floor and sucking it up. And, and there was some, some, this one little thing. I remember he had a, some kind of filter or sheet or something that had the Kirby logo on it and the dirt would suck through the logo and he pulled it out and had the logo was, I don't, I don't know what it was, but I remember Actually, that, that yeah. little device. Um, the logo is formed as the dirt comes through the little blank pad. It's, it's pretty cool, actually. It's well, I remember, I remember that marketing guy tried, trick. <laughs> that guy, well, the guy tried to use me as the closer because he, he looked at me and of course I'm 11 or 12. He's like, would you buy it? And I'm like, yeah, I'd buy this thing. This is awesome. I'll vacuum every day. <laughs> oh man. Shameless. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, I, like I said, I, I was a pretty good salesperson and I, you know, I thought I, I could sell anything, but, but I couldn't, man, we were in that lady's, we were in this one lady's house for hours and she was just trying to be so nice and tell us to leave. And our, that guy would, he was not going to leave. And I can't remember if he sold or not. I just know that that was the last first and only time I went on a Kirby vacuum cleaner door to door sales call, yeah. but you did it and you succeeded at it. So why, why do you think some people can and some people can't? Um, you know, it starts off like everything does with your mindset. You know, what you think is usually going to uh, predict what's going to come from it. If you think you can't do it, if you think that you're there too long, then first of all, you probably are there too long. And second of all, uh, if you think you can't do it, you probably can't. Um, you know, and so that's a big piece of it. Secondarily is sales, especially today, you know, when we skip ahead forward to current versus back in the mid eighties, when I was first starting into it, um, sales is really out of the word sales is really out of fashion. And so people feel like they're going to be like that guy, you know, that I don't know that he was a sleazy person, but, you know, give the impression of, no matter what you say to me, I'm never going to leave your house. And, and that's really not true. You know, I mean, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Um, it's just easier to do that when you can, you know, look a person in the eye. That's why podcasts work. You know, I can look right at the camera and I can say, Hey, you know what? I really do care about what's going on for you, you know, and, and be genuine with it or, you know, not be in people will be like, Oh yeah, he really cares. I can tell. <laughs> So you, um, when I asked you about entrepreneurship, you know, your answer to that was, well, I went, I started selling. And then I said, well, what'd you do after high school? And you said, well, I went to sell Kirby vacuum cleaners, which is an employment, you know, you're an employee. I don't really know how it works out. I mean, contractor, but whatever, but 
So it sounds to me, Steve, that you equate selling the skill of selling very closely to entrepreneurship. Is that, is that fair? Um, yes and no. I mean, within three years, I also had my own company. Um, and I've had my own company, um, that has been a marketing company since 1988. Um, but I, I'd even take entrepreneurship the step further and say, in one way or another, all of us are entrepreneurs because we have to be the CEO executive of our life. Or if you want to bring the Christian element in, since you talked a little bit about that earlier, you know, we need to have Jesus be the CEO of our life. And we need to learn what our role in the company of just being the person we were called to be is. So how, and I don't disagree with that at all. You said you started your own company in 1988. Was that, uh, was that the first foray into true business ownership and entrepreneurship for you? Yes. Everything else I had been an independent sales contractor prior to that. So what was that company in 88? Um, I'm trying to think what we named that company. I want to say we named that company um, IHN. It's been some version of that. Um, the letter I, the letter H, the letter N. Um, and it was a marketing company. We were a manufacturer's rep organization reaching out to mostly churches and radio stations and places like that selling higher end audio equipment. Okay. So th is that company still in existence today? Uh, well, under the multiples of different names through the the courses of my life. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's still what I do is, I mean, I'm, I'm not a manufacturer's rep so much as just purely doing marketing these days, but, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been self-employed and had a, uh, you know, filed as a self-employed person, you know, literally ever since. So what is it? Tell everybody what it is that you do today. Like what is Steve kids deal today? What does he do? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I'm a marketing company. We have a strong publishing division. Um, I'm always looking at it from the marketing standpoint, but I do have a program that helps people take the concept they, they do or sometimes even don't <laughs> know that they do have um, and be able to bring it out into the world, to write it, to publish it, to market it so that it's a bestseller. And then all of the things that build on that foundation of being a bestselling author. So thriving bestsellers is your website. And so you, the way you position it is, Hey, we're a marketing company. I can take you, Mr. 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 or Mrs. Entrepreneur, and I can help you pull out the, the gold nuggets and put them into a book and help you market yourself, your brand, your company, whatever better. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yes. Yeah. What I discovered in 2007, when we did the first book that became a bestseller is how powerful um, being a bestseller is. And what I know now is you'll never have the maximum potential of your marketing if you haven't been the person who wrote the book on it. And honestly, if that book is not a bestseller. So was, so in 07, you, you take your marketing company that's been around since the eighties and you, you retool it, refashion it and say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go into this book thing. I'm going to get into books. And, and, and now that's, pretty much what you do. You're thriving bestsellers. You guarantee people bestseller status. You help them with all aspects of book writing, which I really want to get into because I'm at the end of my first book myself. I'm about yeah. to publish it, about to get it printed. Um, why books? What, what was it about books that you said, that's what we want to do? 
totally an accident or what we like to call God's events. Um, you know, we were a marketing company. We had transitioned into mostly internet marketing. Uh, but you know, we were doing that and my, what my then wife and one of my younger daughters wrote a book about the movie twilight that they were just huge fans of. And it was literally just, they were blogging about their experiences traveling around uh, the filming sites and uh, and I took the marketing and added to that and helped publish it and and make it a bestseller. And that's when we discovered how powerful that was. Um, and then at that time, we were still working as a marketing company with our higher end clients. And, uh, you know, for the next, oh, gosh, you know, 2015. So the next eight years, um, we were just making sure that our clients had that credential best-selling author. And if they didn't, we took uh, signature talks and things like that, and we made their book and made them a bestseller. And that's where the program that I have today is born out of, is just literally taking a high-end keynote speaker and making that into a book for them because they needed it for marketing. So let let me break, let me ask you to break this down for me and for the listeners, yeah. because I, I think we hear we hear a lot about, well, I'm a best-selling author. You know, okay, what, what, first of all, what does that mean? It sounds good, but what, what in fact does that mean? I am specifically talking about Amazon's bestseller list. Uh, Amazon's bestseller list is the only list that I know of that is statistically driven, meaning that if your book's at number two and another book is at number three, your book sold more copies than the book at number three did. Um, now, the... Downside to Amazon's list is that it updates every hour. You know, when you talk about some of the other lists, they are once or twice a year. So Amazon is a much more volatile list and could conceptually change hour by hour. Um, but it's also purely this book sold the most. And so if you wanted to know what books are the best selling books right now today, it's actually about eight hours behind is you know how Amazon's program is currently running, but you can look and you can see in a category or you know whatever category of whatever book you're looking at, and you can see what books are actually selling the best. So Amazon's their their rankings does Amazon bestseller ranking actually change every hour, or is it just they're updating the data every hour? Well, they're updating the data every hour. Um, ultimately ranking on Amazon is an SEO. Um, it's no different than trying to rank on, uh, you know, the top page of Google, uh, like many of us in marketing used to do with search engine optimization. Amazon's a search engine of people looking to buy things. And it's about setting your book up properly so that when you, mar you drive traffic to Amazon, um, and people actually do turn into clients, you know, they buy the book from Amazon, um, that shows up immediately. Well, within the, you know, eight to 12 hours in the results on Amazon, but yeah, so it technically updates every hour, but it's not quite as volatile as that sounds normally, so, you know, you're going to be there for several days to several, you know, I mean, I have people that are six or seven years in and still in top 10. So when they, when you say Amazon bestseller, is it bestseller for a specific category? I would imagine yes. that's true. What, yeah. All so bestseller lists are categorically based. Okay. And so what are, give, give us an example of two or three categories that we, as entrepreneurs, we'd be familiar with. Um, well, and here's the fun thing. Everybody is familiar with the category, the parent category, self-help, and almost nobody actually writes a purely top level 
self-help book. Most people are writing books that are things like uh, personal success, um, which is actually, and I'm not arguing with why Amazon does this, but that's actually a subcategory of spirituality. Um, it's an element in their uh, categorization of the concept of transformational spirituality as what personal success is under. Um, and then on the other side of the equation, if you're talking about something that's a Bible-based success book, um, you know, that would be more in, for example, there's even actually a self-help category in Christian living. Um, the more popular categories that, of course, most of us would know of as business owners will have to do with uh, management and leadership and business and economics and the subcategories that have to do in that with small business and starting a business and entrepreneurship or investing or those kind of things. So when you're, you said it was your daughter who wrote the book about visiting the twilight filming locations and you helped put that together to become a, a, a real book and then launch that as a, as a book on Amazon and it became a bestseller. What category is that? It was the number one movie related travel guide on all of Amazon. So it was under the category um, travel and then, well, no, I'm trying to think because Amazon's changed their category. So I forgive me for the fact that that was 2007, yeah. but I want to say that it was under travel guides and then movie related, you know, was the specific category and keywords. And so uh, is there a certain minimum that has to sell in order for it to be classified? Like if it's a category of one, <laughs> like you, you just sell one book and you're bestseller in the category or are there, are there minimums you have to meet? Um, yes and no. So it's more about because there are there is much more to Amazon's algorithm than just that. Um, but it's about understanding the power of the fact that we're talking about in one hour. So if you uh, take a book and you say, let's not use one, let's use 10, just because one's a little bit mind blowingly low. Um, if you did 10 books in one hour, that is statistically algorithm algorithmically more than 200 in a day which is more than 6,000 in a month, which is more than 72,000 in a year, which is to say that when you sold 10 books in an hour, you may very likely have sold more books in one hour than a person who sold 72,000 books over the course of the last year ever had one hour. Uh, you know, you did greater sales in that hour than they've ever done. What um, is there a difference between the Amazon bestseller list and any other bestseller list, like the New York Times bestseller list or anything like that? What's what's the primary? Oh, difference? Yeah, big, big difference. So and the reason why I said, you know, Amazon's the only statistically driven one I know, all the rest of them are editorials. So the Nielsen company, you know, the one that rates TV shows also takes a list. The list is actually generated from. The reports from big box retailers, Walmart, Costco, places like that, um, the, of the purchases of books that they made. So, and that's important to understand. That means that that store bought the books. It doesn't mean that the store sold those books. Um, and then companies like the New York Times, which is a privately owned company, will take that list and they will write an editorialized review of this is what we deem to be 
the top books in these different categories. Um, and they have, uh, there's a lot of cases of books that have most definitely, um, sold more copies, but never made it on the, on the, on, on the New York Times list because they sold, for example, one girl actually, all of her books sold at Comic Cons and she sold millions of copies of her book, but wasn't listed in the New York Times bestseller list because she sold essentially no copies through big box stores. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the root of all success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And that's D-U-B-B. I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan and I'm so honored that they're our primary sponsor of the podcast. They have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. Dub is built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, anything you need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try Dub. Plus, you're going to get 50% off your first two months of Dub. You can't, you can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. 40 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had your business in the Yellow Pages. You remember those things? <laughs> and 30 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a door-to-door salesman. 20 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a website. And today, you're not in business unless you're doing social media content. Am I right? Social media content. Social media content in the form of like micro content, which is 30 to 60 second spots on Instagram reels or TikTok or YouTube shorts. That's the way business is done. As a matter of fact, that may be how you found out about this podcast or me as a business coach. This medium that we're using today to communicate what we do is vitally important. And just recording yourself isn't enough. You've got to do it right. And my friends over at Story do it right. And one of the problems with doing it wrong is that you sit around thinking, well, what the heck am I going to record? What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Like, I don't, I don't know what to talk about. Well, story takes all of that away from you. Stop wasting time trying to come up with content because story will send you a video prompt on what to record. You can pick the categories you want to record in, whether it's real estate, entrepreneurship, finance, relationship, leadership, life insurance. It could be anything. 
Don't waste time on that. And by the way, if you're not confident in talking on video or if the video editing portion takes up way too much of your time, Story will edit the videos to perform well on social media. They add the subtitles, the pop-ups, the zoom cuts. They remove all the filler words like uh and um and uh. They remove the awkward pauses. And then they take that video and post it for you. They write the captions. They add the relevant hashtags. And they post it on the platforms that you care about the most. It's exactly what you need to be in business today and to be successful at it. So if you want to learn how to do social media the way the influencers do, you need to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. And that's story with two Y's. Why? Because they're awesome. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story, that's S-T-O-R-Y-Y, for 10% off your first three months to try Story out. You're going to thank me later. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. And um, so I've heard, and uh, you don't have to corroborate this if you don't want to, but I've heard that with the New York Times you could pretty much, yeah, well, first of all, you have to have a good product. You, you can't put crap out there. But assuming that it is a good book and there are, there is, it's legitimate that you could, you, you, it's essentially a money game. You're buying your way into that list through, uh, like you said, just getting a bookstore to buy, you know, a million copies, even whether they sell them or not to any human who ever reads them is irrespective. I remember one time, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. But my wife and I got a box of books from, uh, it happened to be Amazon, but it was a box of books. It was like 15 or 16 books that we did not order. And they were all Barack Obama's uh, like autobiography. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I didn't order this. And I certainly didn't order 15 or 16 of them. So I, 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 I've heard that. And I've also heard that. I've also heard that um, on the New York Times bestseller list that if you are, if you come from a faith perspective, that is primarily seen as quote Christian that you almost, and your book is, is kind of aimed that direction. You're, you ain't going to make it. Is that, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you don't have to, I know you're in the business. I don't want you to get oh, in no, trouble. No, no. <laughs> oh, oh no, no. I mean, number one, uh, you know, New York times is very finicky about some of those listings. Um, they are looking at that list purely of purchases. So, um, buying it is a little bit of a misnomer because, um, and I actually know a company that they will do that. Their cost is about 250 to $300,000. Even they won't guarantee absolutely that you'll be on the New York Times bestseller list because it has to do with ultimately, if you knew somebody that was a buyer at Walmart and you were close enough friends that you could get them to buy a minimum of 50,000 to 100,000 copies of your book then you absolutely are going to make the New York Times bestseller list. That's why, um, and I don't know whether you want to talk about people on Fox News or you want to talk about, you know, fiction authors. That's why the day that their book shows up on the shelf, it says the New York Times bestselling book. Well, that's because um, that particular, you know, that particular artist has the sales appeal that the pre-orders that Walmart made for them they're already on the bestseller list before the books ever even come out. And what that can also mean um, is, is that at the end of the day, Walmart finds that particular book didn't sell well. And that means that the are, you know, either the author or the publisher, depending on, you know, who inked that contract ends up eating all the money that they put into the production of those books. So your your company, Thriving Bestsellers, you're you guarantee your customers bestseller status. How can Absolutely. you do that? 
Um, well, besides the fact that I've done it literally thousands upon thousands of times with a hundred percent success rate, um, I do absolutely understand the nuances of how Amazon's algorithm works, um, and have all the pieces in place to, to continue doing that. And, and I do it, you know, multiple times every single week. So is your, does your business take the, are, are you, are you, I have to do it all, or can you take someone who has a book and then you can take and transition it into the way you do things or do you do both? Which one do you do? All of the above. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've taken people who have had books that are as much as 15 and 20 years old, but have never made the bestseller list and made them bestsellers um, all the way down to people who have no clue what they even want to do, but they'd like to do a book and worked them through the process. And of course, everywhere in between, I've got part of it written. I wrote it and I want to update it. Um, you know, a lot of times people will find that the book that they wrote ends up being way longer than what it should be and will help them break it up into a series of books that um, helps a person really be able to get through each point versus overloading people with all the information we know on a topic. <laughs> so that's very interesting to me, Steve. So I think it's one thing to do the mechanics of publishing a book or printing, editing, that type of thing where you just take concepts. But what you're saying is you can take, you know, Joe, we'll call him Joe. You can take Joe off the street. He's a successful guy in whatever field he's, let's say he's in apples. I don't know what he does, but he's doing something and he's in, he's in the fruit business. He, he you could take Joe and say, Joe, sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to help you come up with a concept that we can sell. How do you do that? That that seems to me a completely different skill set and and methodology than printing, publishing, editing, print, you know, that type of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's why I made a, a big point out of the fact that ultimately I'm a marketing company with a strong publishing division. We're looking at how best do you market yourself? So if I was a builder, I know that if you want to have a house you need to have a strong foundation. Now there's different types of foundations. There's, you know, the cement kind and there's flooring and all kinds of different types of foundations, but you're not going to have a solid house if you don't have a good foundation below that. Bestseller is the beginning. It is the foundation to the thing you're going to build on it. Speaking, courses, being a podcaster, um, having a fruit stand at the side of the road, any of those things. Um, you know, they're all made better by the fact that you're not just some other person doing it. You're an expert. You are the guy who took the time to write what they know, market what they know, make it a bestseller and really be able to put that out into the world, create that as the foundation that you build everything else on. So I want to ask you to tell some stories because I know you've got them. I want to I want to go back to the carpet cleaning, not carpet cleaning, but the uh, vacuum cleaning days. And then I, and then I, because I, and I'm, I'm going to ask this question in a way that I'm going to give you time to think about it before I shut up talking. That way you can be ready to go. But I want you to tell a, a funny story. One of the great stories from being in someone's home during do it, trying to sell vacuums, like good or bad. Tell a funny story. I want to hear. I want to hear a funny story because I think that would be funny for the for the audience. But second, and and really to get back to where we are now, this is kind of a little break of the conversation. But to get back is, I want to I want to hear a story about how you help someone build that foundation and what happened as a result. So let's let's go back. Let's go back to the carpet days, the vacuum cleaning days. Tell us a funny story about that, and then we'll transition back into the serious matter of how you help somebody build that foundation. 
so many funny stories. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, but I'll start off with just a little quip. Um, I used to have my salespeople came in, you know, cause I was a sales manager and they would tell me, Oh, I tried everything. And I would look at them and say, did you try crying? And they were like, well, no, why would I cry? I'm like, well, then you didn't try everything. <laughs> um, but you know, a story. So, um, I was in a house actually with the owner of the company that I was working for when I was still being trained and, um, he had been in business, you know, I was 19. He had been in business for 19 years in that same area that he worked in. So he was very well known. He had very well established financing, um, and could pretty well tell the finance company, Hey, I want you to finance these people. And they would, uh, cause it was full recourse to him. So if the people didn't pay, he was on the, on the land, on, you know, on the hook for it. Um, and he was in a particular house and he had called the finance company and they said, you know, this person defaulted on a loan with us before. We're not even going to consider it if they don't put a hundred dollars down. It was at that point we were selling the unit at about $650 in South Dakota. Um, and, uh, you know, he told him, no, I have to get a hundred dollars down or we just cannot do that. And, um, you know, the guy just kept, you know, no, I just can't do it. I just don't have a hundred bucks. I, there's no way I, I don't even have a hundred bucks to my name, you know, and just kept going on and on. And, and, uh, you know, so my, the owner, his name was Maury. Uh, Maury finally said, all right. He goes, you know, I know they'll do it for me. So if I do $50, I'm not going any lower than this, but if I do $50, will you give me the $50 right now as the down payment and we'll do this deal? And the guy said, absolutely. He, and then he breaks out his wallet and he hands him a hundred dollar bill and says, can I get change? Oh, buyers are liars, folks. Buyers <laughs> are liars. Let that be a lesson to you. So, um, yeah, that that's one of many very funny stories with I'm sure you could you could write a book about that like lessons from selling vacuum cleaners I think there would be a lot of funny stuff all right now let's get back to the serious stuff so how give me give me a story or two of how that getting a book on the bestseller list helped someone build a foundation upon which they built an amazing empire Absolutely. So um, one of our authors, she had applied to be on a podcast, not a really big one. In fact, I don't remember the name of the podcast because it was that small. I don't know if it even exists anymore, but she had applied nine times to get on that same podcast because it was in her genre and she really loved it and she really wanted to be a guest on it. And they kept denying her. No, we're sorry. You just don't have what it takes to be here on the show. The 10th time she applied, the only thing that was different was she said, I'm the best-selling author of, and they immediately said, oh, yes, we would love to have you on our show. Um, Carl Michelle, who brought out the book uh, 365 Hip Hop in January 1st, actually, of 2016, who is, I haven't looked this week, but last week when I looked, he was still in the top 10 list with that book. Um that's the story. You know, I mean, that was seven years ago now. And Carl has been in the top 10 for seven years ongoingly and has been able to use his book to get pictures of him with just about every major recording artist that you can ever imagine, including having actually been brought up onto stage two times on uh, different shows that were filmed on MTV. Um Dr. Dreon Birch, who was a little bit famous already at the time that he came to us doing his book, um, he we made a course on purpose from the concept of the book. That was what we did before the book ever launched. 
Um, the book, the course was intended to be sold towards a doctor. So it's a little bit higher end of a course than maybe some people do, but he sold $160,000 worth of sales into that course in the first 60 days. Um, had another client that, um, she was a C-suite, uh, level employee at the corporation she was working at and really wanted to be an entrepreneur. So she left her business and took her severance and started her company. And the very first thing we did that year was we helped her put out her best-selling book. She made um, 100, 100K plus in her very first year, all based off of that. Um, and she would be the first one to say that absolutely that was all based on it. I'll tell you one last story. Dr. Alicia Griffith, who is a medical doctor, um, she's an audiologist working with children with autism. Um, she had been in that field for 10 years when her son was born with autism. Um, and so she not only has the experience of it as a doctor, she's the mother of an autism, autistic child, wrote her book about, you know, dealing with children of autism and what amazing children they are and the gift that they are. Um, that book has now allowed her to be on, among other things, Good Morning America and the Today Show. Wow. Wow. Well, so what's the secret? I mean, like, how do you, I know you, you've got your secret sauce. You don't want to give away publicly, of course, because that's what people pay you for, but give us an insight into what it takes to get that story, that idea, that concept, that course to become a bestseller. The biggest piece of the secret sauce that I absolutely will give you is everybody needs to be an author. Almost no one is really a writer. Now, there's a lot of people that I've met that think they're writers, um, and then when they actually see their writing or when it gets sent to an editor, um, they feel a lot less confident in themselves than they did. But I've met very few people that can't speak. You know, I mean, some of us have broken and we have word faux pas that we have and stuff like that, but we all have the capability of just being able to talk about ourselves and tell our stories. And the most powerful way to write your book is to do it speaking to write, even more so to do it via interview, to have somebody. I'm so privileged that this is one of the giftings that God gave me, and I love doing it, to work with people and do interviews with them and lead them through a conversation that takes them down the path that all books actually are, are structured basically the same. Um, and get them to be able to speak out that content and just tell me um, and teach in that setting. And then, you know, we can take it from there and be able to edit it and help further develop that story and do the cover and all those kind of things. What is the turnaround time typically? And I know there's a, probably a big window because people can be can delay, the, the, you know, getting you back what you ask for. But generally speaking, what's the turnaround time from, hey, I want to do a book to the, it's out and I'm bestseller? 30 to 90 days. In fact, right. um, I would say to, uh, and I have said many times before, if your book takes you longer than 90 days from when you start to when you publish it, um, there's something else going on in your life. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we all have Christmas and birthdays and things like that. Maybe you got married, you know, it could be good stuff. So I'm not meaning anything judgmental about that, but the actual process of writing a book, anything longer than 90 days, and you're really actually talking about something that is getting in the way of just that process of getting the book out. 
Well, something's definitely going on in my life because <laughs> I, I made the I made the decision in January of 2022 to write a book and hired a company very much like what you what you're doing. And uh, we are just now like the, the cover was uh, got the secondary approval today. And uh, we, we just got we're working on the endorsements. So the endorsements, I just got an endorsement from an, a major author who's been involved in some amazing stuff. And I'm so honored that she's endorsing my book. So we just got that today. It, it's, it's taken me a year, Steve. I mean, what's wrong with me? <laughs> well, when you start going after endorsements, especially from major authors, um, you know, those kind of things, most of it and uh you know, I, I don't know specifically. I wasn't involved on the project, so I'm not calling you out. If this isn't true, forgive me in advance. But <laughs> usually it has to do with our judgment of ourselves. We see the thing and then we become afraid. What if somebody else has said this? What if I didn't say that right? Well, you know, maybe I should do one more thing. And we just get all up in our head and it's all of those kind of mental things that keep us from the simple concept of understanding somebody is waiting on you. There is somebody who needs the information could be very basic. It could be how to tie your shoes. It doesn't have to be deep stuff, but they're waiting on that information because for them, it's a struggle. They are struggling with it today. They did yesterday. They will tomorrow until your book comes out because for whatever reason, you're the one that's meant to reach them. And when we take that uh, that viewpoint of it, it really helps us move away from that uh, mental curse, if you will, that we all go through. Well, I, I tell you, I, I um, my experience has been pretty good. I mean, I, I have I don't really have any complaints. I, I do think that um, that it could have gone a little faster on their end, but I do know that it could have gone a lot faster on my end. Like I, mm -hmm. I delayed a lot, but I had a lot going on. So the book was not a top priority for me. I wanted to do it. But I wasn't spending hours a day or even hours a week uh, working on it. And I just there were lots of different iterations. As a matter of fact, when I first started writing my book, it was more informational because I'm a teacher. So I was just bam, 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 point one, point two, point three. But then it, it, it became it occurred to me for me personally, like I want this to be more narrative based. I want it to be around story. So I ended up creating these characters, James and Cheryl and Edward, and, and introduced these characters to define the things I was trying to explain in the book rather than just me telling what happened. I used James as a character to show what happened. And that, that for me took a lot longer to craft those stories. Cause I'm a, I'm a decent writer, but like, it's not my gift. So I, I, maybe I should have used you. I'd have gone a lot faster. I'd already be a bestseller. <laughs> now let me ask you, that, let me ask you this, Steve. So let's say I, I take it to I take it to you or to our company that does what you do and then we get it we, we do Amazon bestseller how many times does that transition to a, a New York Times or a you know Wall Street Journal or whatever like a a, a more uh, like a printed list rather than an Amazon list does that oftentimes happen or does it not um, so with the exception of New York Times any of those other lists that you're thinking of, Absolutely. You could just buy your way onto the list and most of them do. Um, as far as organically with sales, um, absolutely. It, it can and does. Um, it's from the point that the book comes out, it's all about marketing. You have to have, if you're going to spend your time selling the book, 
And a lot of times we don't. A lot of times it's promoting the course or the speaking that we do or those kind of things off of the book. But if you really want to do the sales of the book, you have to have a sales and marketing plan behind how am I going to do that book? And so, for example, if you really want to be on the New York Times bestseller list, you need to begin to start learning the process of how am I going to make the contacts with the buyers from Walmart or other stores like that and show them what they need to see so that they have the confidence that when they make that order, that book is going to be purchased from that whole, from that retailer. Hmm. How many times do you work with your clients who do self-publishing? Because this is all self-publishing, right? I'm, I'm my assumption yeah. is correct. How, how many times do they transition that into an actual published deal? Whether or not they get on a bestseller list somewhere else is irrespective. But like, how many times do they move from self-published to a published deal? Well, my clients, um, because they have me in their life, almost never. Um, there are a few of them that that's, you know, the, 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 the exceptions, but, and the reason being is, is because publishing is really not what it's cracked up to be. First of all, gone are the days of you just getting a great big giant check and buying a house out in, you know, out, if you've ever seen the movie Funny Farm, you know, out in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York and sitting around for a year not writing, you know, I mean, those days just don't exist anymore. Um, in fact, really advanced checks for the most part don't exist like what they used to. Um, but the worst piece of it is, is even if you have that kind of marketing power and that sales potential, that publishing company exists to own your book friend of mine actually refers to publishing companies as loan sharks because what they'll give you for the content of your book is going to be way, way less than what it's worth. And what they will charge you for you to have the ownership of that content back will be way more than you'll ever really want to pay for it. Now, that's not to say that sometimes we don't, but, um, you know, that publisher is going to have the say over it. Um, for anybody that knows who Lisa Nichols is, um, Lisa Nichols Abundance Now book came out with HarperCollins, probably the largest publisher in the world. Um, but HarperCollins decided that they did not want her creating a course from their book. They own 80 to 90% of the con of the rights and royalties to that book. And they told her no. So she had to take information that she had been teaching for years and go back to the drawing board and recreate that whole entire course that the book was supposed to be the handbook for um, so that she didn't in any way, uh, you know, conflict with Harper Collins intellectual property. Cause that's what happens when you go to a, a traditional publisher is you're giving them your content. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that, that is the company I'm working with told me that cause they, they're taking me down the self-publishing route. They said, we can get you a publishing deal if you want it, but here's the pros and cons. And that was exactly what they explained to me. It's like, Jason, your content that you're teaching this book is your content. You're the only, as far as, as far as they know, as far as I know, I'm the only person on the planet teaching this specific way to exit a business. Uh, they said, if you, if you go publishing deal, you might lose rights to that. And, and, and that's cer certainly a concern. So, uh, listeners, I, I know there's a lot of people sitting in their car right now that are listening to this and going, I've been wanting to do a book for a long time. And I'm so glad that I'm listening to this podcast today because Steve Kidd is the answer to my prayers. I'm going to call Steve. So go to thrivingbestsellers.com. 
thrivingbestsellers.com. Talk to Steve. Steve will be happy to, 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 to talk to you about that. And uh, he has a giveaway uh, that he's going to do something. So, Steve, would you tell a little bit about your giveaway for the listeners today? Absolutely. I tried to make it as easy as possible for people to get started. So if you go to ongoingwealthguide.com, um, there's a free resource there. It's a five-step program to help you be able to create ongoing wealth in your life. I will uh, explain that by wealth, I mean really abundance. In other words, if you buy a new car and you pay cash for it, your bank account's going to take a pretty big hit the day you make that. That doesn't mean you're less wealthy that day than you were the day before. Um, it means that you have an abundance in your life. Abundance isn't about the dollars in your bank account and ongoing wealth guide isn't. Um, it will help you generate money regularly, but it's not about, um, you know, the actual bank balance on any given day. It's about living a life that allows money to flow in through and back out of you um, in a really good way. Inside of that, I have my link to my signature write your bestseller in one hour talk and we'll help you. I mean, I have people that have written dozens of books just off of that one, one hour workshop. Um, so go check that out. That's ongoingwealthguide.com and uh, for his free gift. And then also thrivingbestsellers.com. Talk to him about writing your book. Go, go take his course, learn it, learn about it, reach out to him, get your book out there. Even if you don't know what it is you're going to write, that's part of what they do. They help you figure that out. So, Steve, as we uh, finish our conversation today, this is the root of all success. So how do you define the word success? Success is about having the ability to live your best life. Um, it's not, again, about necessarily dollars and cents, although we do need money to pay the bills and stuff. But it's about really, truly having the fulfillment that when you wake up in the morning, you're excited about the day you're going to have. And when you lay your head on the your your head on the pillow at night, you feel fulfilled and you know that today you've done the best you can do while it's called today, regardless of what that day was. Maybe it's even spending the day with your kids that day. But that's real success is really having the ability to maximize while it's called today. So with that as a definition, do you consider yourself to be successful? Yes. I feel more wildly successful than maybe I ever have in my life. Love it. I love the confidence. Well, Steve, it's been an honor talking to you today. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Another successful entrepreneur about his story to success. And I, his definition of success is really good having the ability to live your best life. Do you have that ability? Are you living your best life or are you stuck in the grind in this BS that all the Instagram and TikTok gurus tell you just hustle and grind, hustle and grind? Or have you figured out how to live that life in a way that you can live it to your best of your ability? No matter how much money's in the bank or what kind of car sitting in the garage or whether you have a garage at all, are you living your best life? Do you have that ability? That's according to Steve, that's what success is. And I don't disagree with him. Um, you know, think about his story, Kirby vacuum cleaner sales to starting his own company in 1988 and now helping thousands of people become best sellers. So I really want to encourage you. If you want to be a bestseller, 
go to thrivingbestsellers.com. And that free offer that he was talking about is at ongoingwealthguide.com, ongoingwealthguide.com. You can follow Steve on Twitter at AskSteveKid. That's S-T-E-V-E-K-I-D-D, two Ds and kid. Uh, Instagram, same thing, Ask uh, Steve Kid, and then Facebook, Thriving Best Sellers. When you go, when you reach out to him, let him know that you heard about him on the Root of All Success. I would love for you to tune in again next week when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan, and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at the real Jason Duncan. Are you an entrepreneur who feels trapped in the weeds of daily operations, not experiencing the freedom you thought you'd have as a business owner? Want to know the way out? Take Jason's free exit readiness assessment to see how close you are to getting ready to experience true freedom and success as an entrepreneur. Go to amireadytoexit.com today. That's amireadytoexit.com. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.